0: Worship fully. Spend less. Give more. Love all. That's our tradition. And I want to thank you for your generosity in these last weeks. Uh, Do you realize what you've been doing as a community of faith, what we've been doing? Uh, First of all, during the Thanksgiving season, you all who were able to be part of it were able to take care of 50 families for Thanksgiving. And we want to say thank you. That's tremendous. It made a big difference in your lives. <laughs> then when the typhoon hit the Philippines, just on a Sunday morning, we said, if you'd like to give, we'll get some money to Convoy of Hope. And, and so that morning, uh, you gave, uh, I think, over uh, $2,600 to, to go there. And uh, we just received word from Convoy that just in the meal portion, they've already given out 600,000 meals. And, and so you've been a part of that. And we thank God for that. And then, we're working with, with the foster care system, we try to get new blankets at Christmas for kids and, and you've been pulling tags off a tree in the back and, and you were able to give over 190 blankets this year and that's just great. <laughs> then we had Sarah and, and Daryl with us a few weeks ago and they have been in Kyrgyzstan and now going to Istanbul to help, help formulate what they're calling live dead which is the idea that there's places in the world that have not known about Jesus, and to be able to go there, you must be willing to die. And they're coordinating that, and we wanted to help support what they're doing. And so that morning, just on the spur of the moment, we took another offering for them, and you gave over $4,000 to get them on their way. So I want to thank you for that. And then, last week, I introduced to you the fact that there are about 200,000 street kids in Nairobi, Kenya. So if you take Erie and the surrounding townships, it's about that population there in Nairobi, Kenya. And these kids are on the streets because their parents have died of AIDS or because they themselves have contracted the AIDS virus and have then been thrown out of the tribe or thrown out of their family. A large portion of those kids on the street and even those that are pre-adolescent are selling their bodies so that they could get enough money to get food to eat and and all of them, you'll see them with with plastic bottles or cartons in there, they're sniffing glue because the glue deadens the pain of being on the streets. So they have no place to go, they have no food, a lot of them end up on, on the garbage dump. But Jesus cares for them, and, and so through a, an, a gathering of movement called Kenya Kids, they're going into the garbage dumps, pulling these kids out, taking them and putting them in a home, giving them showers and a bed and pajamas and clothing and food three meals a day, getting them into elementary school and then even getting them into university, changing their lives. Those that they can't put back into the, a family that will care for them and love them or a tribe that will take them back and love them, they keep them to age 18 and get them in university. And you say, well, why should we be involved in that? That's, you know, that's around the world because Jesus said, when you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And freely you have received, freely give. And so... We've, we've told them that we want to join with them. And it takes $900 to get a kid off the streets and into elementary school for just one year. And we said, we got to do at least 10 kids. And so I told you last week that, that you could, we're going to take a, an offering on Christmas Eve and those two services to, to take care of getting that and, and getting at least those 10 kids covered. And And I said, but you can give in in any offering up to that point. Just put Kenya Kids on it. You can go use your phone and go online. You can go home and go online. And somebody left here immediately last Sunday. And as one family, uh, they went online and said, we'll cover one kid. And so we've got the first kid taken care of. And so I want to ask you, yeah. I want to ask you to join with Pam and me and, and, and ask God what you should do, what your heart says you should do. Scripture says that you do it, just do it with joy. Do it out of what you have, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but because God just loves, a, uh, the word is hilarious giver, somebody who just just really loves doing that. And so, let me encourage you to do that. And and uh, you can stop by the offering. I uh, stop by the office with an offering. You can go online. You can go on your phone. Uh, just we'll, we'll we'll get you. We'll get it there to So just if you'll do that, and we want to make sure we get at least ten kids covered. So thank you that we are worshiping fully. We are spending less. We're giving more. And we're loving all. Now turn to the person next to you and say Merry Christmas. So as you can imagine, in Times Square. New York City, there is, it's just just bursting with holiday greetings. And this is one of them. It's a good question. Who needs Christ during Christmas? Wrong answer. President of the American Atheist's David Silverman said this statement This year, start a new tradition. Don't go to church. You hate it. It's boring. You probably only go because you feel guilty or obligated. Instead, spend more time with your family and friends or volunteer. There are better uses of your time and money. So I think he's asked a question. I think we probably should answer it Who needs Christ at Christmas? So this really happened this week. Pam and I, on Tuesday night, were at the mall doing Christmas shopping, and down by the end of the mall where the Bonton is, down that direction, there is, I call it the Santa zone, there's where Santa is, and he's seated, and they bring the kids in, and the kids sit in his lap, and they tell him what they want for Christmas, and he tells them they're going to get it, or whatever, And, and during that time, parents are standing there paying out money to have their picture taken with Santa, which always confuses me, because he's giving gifts away, why can't he just give the pictures away? So I'm a little bit skeptical of the bearded guy in the, in the red suit. And, and so Pam was, was in a store way too long. And so I said, I'm going to go out and walk around. So I, I walked over by the Santa zone, and, and it just happened to go by. It was late in the even, evening, and, and there were no more kids there, and there was nobody on his lap. And so Santa was just sitting in the chair with his helpers around him. And, and as I walked by, he turned his head, and we locked eyes. And then he said this to me, I kid you not, he said, Hi, Pastor Reisner. I ran into the store, I said, "Pam, Santa knows my name." I believe!" Freaked me out. So I went home and made my list. And i yeah. So that's one story. Check out this story. Out of Matthew, the first chapter. And this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And in those days, when you became betrothed, engaged, to break it, you had to to actually divorce but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Meaning what? Emmanuel, God with us. So which story do you believe? I do want to remind us that there were over 360 prophecies regarding the coming of the Jewish Messiah. These were given hundreds of years before Jesus showed up in Bethlehem. And Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, actually fulfilled every single one of them. That way back then, God said, I'm going to come and be with you, and sure enough, he showed up. Why? I think to answer the question, who needs Christ at Christmas? I was told last week, I'd taken my car in for an oil change, and I was told by the lady that was helping me, she said, "Uh, we've checked your tires, and you only have 430 seconds left on your tread. And I have no idea how many tents you're supposed to have in 30 seconds. And so 4.30 seconds, I said, okay. She said, well, they're okay if we're in the summer, but we're in the winter, and, and these will probably slip and slide in the snow. And I'm thinking, sure, they will. They're just trying to sell me tires. So I said, you know, I'll just think about it. So I got in my car, I drove. Well, Thursday morning, <laughs> on Kuntz Road, going up and down those hills, in my four-wheel drive vehicle, suddenly, I just started slipping all over the place. I had a two sentence prayer. Oh God, 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 oh God. I slid into the other lane. No one was coming. Thank God. I slid the other way and almost went down into a ditch, back and forth. It seemed like forever. Finally straightened it out. Within an hour, I was walking into the dealership. (laughs) Said, I believe you. Get me some tires. In life, we have got to have, and we need, a truthful certainty. We need someone to say to us, this is the truth, and that they know what's best for us, even more so than we know ourselves. It's why we need Emmanuel, because it is God with us. Paul the Apostle describes it this way, Romans the first chapter. What happened was this, people knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. We just don't know. Pam and I have a friend who just left her husband of 40 years she went to be with her boyfriend from high school in her hometown. She left her husband and her two grown children and her son and her daughter-in-law who just had her first grandchild. So Pam was talking to her on the phone. And she was explaining why she has done this. And and Pam said, you want to talk to Jack? And she said, no, I don't want to be preached to. What would give her that idea? (laughs) Well, what that actually means is I don't want to hear anybody tell me something I don't want to hear. And then she said this to Pam. She said, I don't want my parents' religion guiding me. And Jesus is happy about this. And I've never been happier. And she was dead serious. A couple weeks ago, we got a, a cry for help. She misses her son and daughter. She misses the fact that she's only held her grandchild once. She has no money, and she's living with this guy, so it's his house. So if she doesn't stay there, she's got no place to go. And she's discovered since she's been there that her her boyfriend from high school has an anger problem, and he can't control it, and the fact that that he is manipulative. She said, in fact, when you want to call me, call me at this time because I'll be working out in the gym at this time because that's the only time I can take the phone call because he monitors my calls. And then she said this, but I think I'll make this work. I just need to know how not to set him off. And she had no idea when she walked into this journey that that's what she was going to find. And how could she know? As far as I know, there's only one person who knows right now what's happening to me and what will happen in the future. His name is Emmanuel God with us. He's also called the I am, the one who has always been, the one that is now, the one that will always be, and he knows exactly what I face and what is ahead of me. So in that place called Bethlehem, Emmanuel arrives to save us from ourselves, to save us from messing up our lives because, as Paul said otherwise, our thinking is dark and confused. Dostoevsky stated if God is dead, then everything is justifiable. Because there is no standard. So, ethnic cleansing is okay, abandoning your family is okay. Stealing as long as you don't get caught is okay. If it's what I want and I can justify it, it's okay. I have a friend who almost had an affair. It would have destroyed himself, it would have destroyed his family, it would have been a mess, and he stopped himself just in time, and later he said to me, as as the fog cleared, he said, what was I thinking? I said, you weren't. Because Paul said, we end up in this fog, in this confusion, in this darkness. If you you run down to the name Emmanuel, you get down to the root, and the root actually means to accompany. And I am just so delighted to know that I have this one, this voice that is with me, Emmanuel, who's ready to always say to me, you're about to slip off the road. And that's the truth. Who needs Christ at Christmas? We need a meaningful existence. So let me ask you this. What are you made to be? Not, not what are you made to do because we're human beings, not human doings. What is your purpose? My wife Pam works retail. And she loves doing it. And it's not because she likes to sell stuff. It's like she, she just loves to give things to people. She just loves to give and give good deals. In fact, she needs a boss, otherwise, she'd give the store away. We, we had our, she had her own business for a while. She, she did nails, she was a nail technician, and, and we stopped doing that because she would never raise her rates because she didn't want people to have to pay more, and she gave away all the product. We, in essence, were paying people to come have their nails done by Pam. Such a deal. Pam used to work as a receptionist here at the church, and every once in a while, someone would come up and say to me, Pam told me I should take the day off. (laughs) I went in the office, I said, Pam, where do you get the authority? She says, well, they just needed it, because she just gives. So this week, we were at a restaurant and having a nice dinner, and And we noticed this guy that we thought reminded us of somebody else, and he was waiting on other tables. And so we called him over and said, Hey, do you belong to this family? Because you just act just like that guy. And he said, No, I don't know who that is. And 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 then then Pam said, Well, he works at this restaurant over here. And you, when next time you're in that restaurant, you should look him up, because you're just like him. You're just a doppelganger. He's he's the guy. He said, Well, I don't eat out. We said, Why don't you eat out? So I you know I just graduated from, from university and I can't get a job in my chosen field and I'm just scraping by. I'm just I'm actually living at home and I don't want to live at home and I just I'm just not I'm just not making it. I barely have anything. I knew immediately what she's thinking. <laughs> on the way out, she tracks this guy down and she gives him a $20 tip for not waiting on our table. <laughs> and he says to her, why? I said, go with it, dude. It's what she does. Just go. (laughs) Spend time with Emmanuel, and we will discover who we are. We will know our meaning and our purpose. Otherwise, what we end up doing is, is doing things and grabbing stuff. And Paul speaks to that again in Romans one twenty two. He says this, claiming themselves to be wise without God, they became utter fools instead. And that word fools, that word fool actually means to be dull or to shut up from you what is meaningful, to give it a substitute. So when we don't have meaning, we've got to find meaning. So we say, oh, I'll find meaning in my kid. So I put my kid in soccer and make him the world's greatest soccer player, so it gives me meaning. So we go on road trips all the time. He's on the traveling team. And and we have practice after practice all year round until I totally exhaust him and the family, and it doesn't work. I buy a bigger house that I can't afford because that will give me meaning, and it doesn't work. I go from this city to this city to this city to to get a better job, to get a better job because I'll find meaning, but it doesn't work. I go from partner to partner to partner to partner, thinking that I will find intimacy and meaning, but it doesn't work. Spend time with Emmanuel, and he shapes us. All I can tell you is that as you press into who he is, he said, if you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. And as you spend time with Emmanuel, he begins to shape and form us so that we become the very thing he had designed from the very beginning when he knit us together in our mother's womb. In fact, he said, I've already recorded your days. Because I'm with you. Paul understood that, and I want to read this to you out of the Amplified Version. It says this, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined. He planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. So this week I was reading Psalm 8, and it's just a great psalm. You should read it sometime if you haven't. It's this wonderful declaration of the immensity of God. He talks about his majesty. His majesty is where his, where his very character is exposed. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the world. And you just see this, this expansion of God. And then the psalmist David declares this in Psalm 8.3 8, and 4. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your finger and the moon and the stars you set in place... I see the magnitude of that. I say this, what are people that you should think about them? Mere mortals that you should care for them? You know, there are, there are more than 80 billion galaxies in the universe. That if you and I were going to take a trip and, and head out so we could get to the edge of the universe and we could travel at the speed of light, it would only take us 15.5 billion years to get there. That's how huge it is, and he fills it, which makes us think then he is just so busy and so immense that when we talk about his greatness, we think of his magnitude and his majesty that is so extreme that he's remote. He's out there. Why would he even care about me? But understand that what he's saying here is that his greatness is not his remoteness and his expansion. His greatness is his eye for detail that he knit you together in your mother's womb. That he sees every single detail of your life and he has planned for you to be someone unique that he loves and we he loves through. When he shapes us, when he, when he took Pam and he, and he formed Pam, he said, I'm going to make you a giver. I'm going to make you somebody who, who loves to mother other people, including your husband. She'll see somebody walk across the street without a coat, and she'll say, I wonder if the mother knows that he's not wearing his coat. I say, honey, please give it a rest. She can't. Because when God shapes you, he then positions you says, I'm going to use you to be you right here. So then he positions you, and then he releases you and says, go do this thing. And he resources you. And then he celebrates you. He says, look at at John Hamilton on the piano. Look at intercession. Look what I've created. That was so good. And the angels stop and say, listen to intercession. We wish we could sound that good. God celebrates. So when Pam and I walked out of the restaurant, I looked at her and she's just beaming because she's made for this. God knew that and God knows you. So you get so nervous about what's God's will, what's he want me to do, how am I supposed to be, what, 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 oh, can I find my meaning? Look, just do this. Can I simplify it? Love God with your whole heart. Love people, and the rest will happen. It's that simple. So who needs Christ at Christmas? You know, we need credit where we don't have any. Paul Faulkner talks about a friend of his who was going to adopt a troubled teenage girl. Which was, his friend said, you know, you really need to think about this, because here's the issue. She's destructive, she's disobedient, and she's dishonest. But he's going through with it. One day she came home from school. She tore the house apart. She ransacked the house looking for money. When he got home, she was gone, but the place was in shambles. And his friend said, see, 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 you need to stop the adoption process now. And then he said this, because she's not even your daughter. His response was simply this, yes, I know, but I told her she was. See, that's covenant. And Emmanuel is a covenant agreement. Emmanuel, God with us, is a covenant agreement. It's simply this, we get adopted and Jesus gets rejected. That's the agreement. Paul, again, in the book of Romans, expresses that when he says this in Romans 5. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. You catch that? He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person we're dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Did you catch that? He didn't wait for us to get ready. We didn't have to clean up our act to get him to act. So he dies for us. He separates himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's called mercy. And mercy is, is, is an act, but it's also a feeling. It's a feeling of relief. When, you ha- when you've been given mercy, it's a relief because you don't have to tiptoe around the house you ransacked because you're still part of the family. You live there even when you are no use to the Father at the moment. Gosh, I just love that because there are times that I just mess up so horribly and I start to feel his mercy and I don't want to enjoy the presence of God. I don't want to enjoy his blessings. I don't want to enjoy his favor, so I go hide in the corner. And it's like God's Spirit says to me, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're still part of the family, but I'm no use. You were never no any use anyhow, so get back. Who do you think you are? You're useless unless God is using you and he wants to use you. Some of you in this place have just sulked and the condemnation has rested on you and you have said, I will never amount to anything because of what I did in the past. Will you get over it? God did. And if God got over it, If God got over it, you should because you don't have to tiptoe around God. You don't have to come to the church and say, oh, God, I'm really sorry. You can say, God, this is so great. That's his mercy. See, mercy invites us in the family. Grace teaches us how to be family. So somebody say, hey, hey God, look at Reisner. You've given him mercy, and he messed up last week, but watch him. He's going to do it again in three weeks, three days, three hours. You're going to let him manipulate your mercy that way? He's going to take advantage of it. God says, good, let him take advantage. Because when you really, truly connect with grace, you understand the cost. You understand the price that was paid to give you that mercy and grace. And there is no way that you will ever manipulate that love. Instead, all we can do is just fall into the Father's arms with extreme gratitude. And he says, I'm going to teach you how to be my kid. Do you really think that, that I can do any sleight of hand that will confuse God when it comes to his mercy? Ah, oh, gotcha on that one, God. Don't think so. He knows me. He knows how broken I am, and yet he says, I want you to use my, my credit I've given you because when Jesus died on that cross, he paid for the sins that I have right now and the sins that I will commit down the road, and he's got it already banked for me, that he's still got me covered. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, the tense is, continues to cover my sins. How many of you in here are perfect? How many are perfect in here? Pam, raise your hand. So you know, you know that you confessed something you did this week and next week you do it again and you say, oh, because he knew that already and he got you covered because you're still part of the family. He didn't kick you out. You say, but it's so manipulative. If I do that, no, it's not. That's why John said, if... I'm telling you this because when you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. He's he's writing it to believers. He said, I know you're going to mess up, and you have an advocate with the Father. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all impurity. It's, It's covered. In fact, he says this. He says, when you take advantage of my mercy and my grace, there's a party. Heaven has a party that you took it. And it's really a Christmas party, and it's not just December 25th. Christmas. Christ Mass. It is the Eucharist of the Messiah. It is the celebration of God with us, giving his blood to redeem us, or giving his body to redeem us, and giving his blood to release us. It is God with us saying, I'm bringing you into the family, and now I'm going to teach you how to be family. That's his mercy and his grace. Best gifts ever. So who needs Christ at Christmas? Oh, I do. I mess up way too often. So, so here, I'm... I really don't care anymore if the local store clerks have been told they can't say Merry Christmas, that they only say Happy Holiday. I don't care. Although I still will say back to them, Merry Christmas! (laughs) Joy to the world, the Lord is... And I really don't care that some public schools say you can't use green and red because it looks like Christmas and you'll offend all the other holiday thingies going on. I don't care. And I really don't care if the American atheists think that Christians ripped off their pagan holiday and they want it back. Because we did. It wasn't ours to start with. We put Jesus there. I just wanna say I'm a Christ follower. So I'm not celebrating the holidays. I'm celebrating the Christ, the God with us. So in answer to your question, David Silverman, who needs Christ at Christmas? I do desperately. And so do you. Because honestly, it's the only way that I can live. And so I want to end today by celebrating the Messiah. John, will you help me here? And so I want you to just join with me in a celebration of this one who we so desperately need. The one who's our credit, who's, who's given his life for us. The one who gives us meaningful existence. That one. And so will you stand? And we're going to sing together Joy to the World. And I want you to sing at the top of your lungs. I want you to pick out parts. If you're tone deaf, just scream it. And and let's just declare that. We've already done it earlier. We're going to do that again. And and it's only 11.15, and that's my Christmas gift to you. (laughs) And let's just celebrate this Christ, this Messiah who cares so much for us. John, will you lead us?
1: Her King Let every heart Prepare Him room And heaven and nature sing And heaven and nature sing And heaven and heaven And nature sing and wonders of his love so I, I want us to sing that last verse again but I
0: want to just do it acapella because I want to hear your parts and so find a part and let's sing it again and 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 let's put the Mormon tabernacle choir to shame so let's just do that so sing it again and and, and let's just make it our declaration John lead us in that acapella last verse
1: And wonders, and wonders of His love. And now, throughout this week,
0: may you be shaped. May you be positioned. May you be released. And may you feel the incredible celebration of this God who walks with you and in your moments of failure. May you find the joy of the Father who takes what's already been laid to your credit by his Son, and may you find your forgiveness, and may you find the joy that he brings to you, and may you live in that celebration. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.